One of our practices as a community is to be in prayer for each other. And we've been praying for different uh, places where people live. And tonight we are glad to pray for Nolcrest East. Representing KE is Jacob from Lambda. Come on up. You got this one, Zach? Tell us how we can pray for KE. Are there any KE people in there? Woo! All right, not bad. Um, <laughs> okay, our first prayer request is just uh, a growth in Christian community mm-hmm. because KE is kind of a place where people go to be a bit more independent than they were in the dorms. Yep. So um, just pray that people would continue to find spaces to plug in and get involved in their community, whether that be Bible study or worship night or just share dinners together. Um, just pray for that. And as a, as a leadership team, that we would be wise and successful in our planning of those events because we want KE to be more than just a place to live, but a place where we can like share our faith together and struggle through that together and just uh, yeah, be good neighbors to each other. Uh, and secondly, just as the stress of second semester begins to hit, um, pray for our upperclassmen as they have their papers and their tests and as they look to the future, what comes after college. Um, just pray for protection from stress mm-hmm. and from weariness and, uh, and for guidance and clarity for the future. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for praying, friends. It means a lot. Very much appreciate it. Thanks, Jacob. Let's thank Jacob. That was a great tagline that was like, K.E., more than just a place to live. <laughs> it be like a, a t-shirt or something. That's got marketable potential there. All right. And we're speaking about preaching tonight. That's the end of James 5. And kind of independent, but totally Holy Spirit going on. Wenty, one of our Barnabai, had this idea to gather us uh, throughout this week in times of prayer. And it was like, so that's totally a Holy Spirit thing. So Wenty is going to come up. And yes, Wenty. And she's going to uh, invite us to pray with and for each other this week. Hi, everyone. Um, for those of you who came a little bit earlier, you got a piece of paper. I'm sorry it couldn't go around. But if you have it and you finish reading it, do you mind passing it to anyone who didn't get it? So that could go around for a while. Okay. Um, about a month ago, God laid it on my heart to gather the Banaba and other Calvin students on campus so that we would just get together and pray for each other and pray for Calvin. So it's actually coming on this week. And um, Monday to Wednesday from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. for 20 minutes testing. We have a sign-up to different people will be praying at um, the library lobby near the fireplace and then in Johnny's office house and Pearl Center lobby. But due to the recent sign-up, we may cancel out some places and just focus on one place, but that will be decided tonight. And how can you join us in this? Everyone is most welcome. I don't want you to think that you are not worthy, God can't use you, it's just for special people. No, that is not true. 
God wants to use every one of us, and God is acting who will go for us. And all you have to do is to say, here I am, God, tend me. And all you can do is say, here I am, God, I like to pray for Calvin, I like to pray for my friends, I like to pray for alumni, I like to pray for those off campus elsewhere. So at the end of love, Alicia and Katie will be somewhere around with a laptop with a sign up Google Doc. So you can go to Alicia and Katie, can we see you please? Stand okay, up. so that's Alicia and Katie. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are really interested and I encourage you to join, you could go see them and you could sign up for a slot. If you can't sign up for a slot, because I know Calvin students can be very busy, you can just pray without that. God will have his way on campus. And finally, on Thursday at 8.45 p.m. to 9.45 p.m. in the chapel under court, we'll be having a corporate worship and prayer for one hour, where you just come, we worship, and we pray for each other. I mean, you pray for me, I pray for you. She prays for you, you pray for her. That is, <laughs> I mean, that is about everything. Yeah, so please, if God is talking at your heart, please respond and for everyone. Thank you. Thanks, Wendy. Great. So I'm going to suggest that you guys set your laptop top downstairs by the cookies. You want to cut a cookie, you got to pray. No, that's not good. Um, but that's, that's, a, that's a location they all know. So uh, downstairs by the cookies, um, sign up for a time. And if you just see people gathering to pray, like you're walking by the library lobby and you're like, oh my gosh, that's today? Like that's now? Yes. Just go over and pray with them. And it can be like 20 seconds and it can be two hours and it can be anywhere in between. So uh, just go. The thing is to, as she said, just say, here I am, Lord. Let's just do this. It's a beautiful thing. Right. That were the announcements. That was awesome. Um, during our prayer time tonight, um, after our offering, I'm going to be praying for Professor Rebecca DeYoung, and I think we have an image of her. Um, Professor DeYoung is uh, one of our philosophy professors, and some of you know that she's been out because she had significant surgery, surgery to remove a mass, and it was found that the mass is cancerous, and Professor DeYoung will be undergoing chemotherapy. And this is the whole hardcore chemotherapy, like lose your hair kind of chemotherapy. The mass was discovered because earlier this summer, she was diagnosed with a really odd degenerative disease of the muscles. And as part of the treatment for this particular disease, they do a full body scan. And she kind of went to the full body scan thinking, well, I've got this really weird disease in my muscles. Like, this is just kind of routine to have this scan. So they do the routine scan, and that's how they found the mass. And so it has been a roller coaster of a year for her and her family. She has four children all at home. Um, her husband, Scott, um, has had a job transition this year. So it's been a really heavy year for the DeYoungs. But she said today on her care page, um, she was talking about how her numbers, and I'm not going to get these all right, but her numbers for the degenerative muscle disease were really, really, really high, like crazy, crazy high at the beginning of the summer. And now they have fallen into the normal range. So much so that her doctor said that once she beats this cancer, 
the odds are really good that the, lim that the effect of the muscle disease would be greatly limited. And her cry to us was, keep praying, please pray. Your prayers are making a difference. And that's a pretty remarkable testimony for someone who just found out she has cancer. This is the kind of woman we want teaching our students, right? This is the kind of woman we want back in the classroom. So we are going to pray as a community. We are going to pray her and her family through this season. We are going to pray for her complete return to health. We are going to pray, Rebecca, that you are back in the classroom sooner than you think. Because we love you. We miss you. She's my friend and I miss her. Um, so we're going to be praying hard for Professor DeYoung. And uh, how many of you have ever had her? Okay. Is she awesome? Yeah, she is awesome. She is awesome. Yes. Yes. So we're going to pray that she comes back so y'all can have her because she's awesome. And then all of her classes will be full. Um, and we take an offering here. And this is part of another way we care for each other is uh, we not only pray for each other, but we give money so that if somebody runs into something that they can't afford, we're going to help them out. That's what we do. And so um, we give as um, people who love the Lord and love each other. So we're going to do that right now for the Community Care Fund. Let's have an offering. God, our creator, we give you praise for you are the one who has woven beauty into this world. We thank you that we can see it all around us. 
in leaves changing color, in the kindness of a friend, in the warmth of a cup of coffee, in the smile of a child. Thank you, creative God, that you never stop creating, that you're always making new things and you are always making things new. Thank you. We pray that you will be the one who makes community come alive in Millcrest East. It's so easy to say we're too busy and then to miss out on the beauty that you give us in each other. And so we pray for Knollcrest East. We pray for that leadership, that they will be the ones who model calm, that they will be the ones who model investment in relationship, that they will be the ones who show people how to care. So we pray for Jacob and his colleagues. We pray that this will be a place on campus where Christian community is lived out, that it is indeed more than just a place to live. It's a place to be a disciple. It's a place to live for the kingdom. Lord, we pray that Millcrest East becomes a shining light, not just on this campus, but to the city of Grand Rapids. And we pray for these juniors and seniors as they look toward the future. Now they've registered, many of them, for the last time And they're wondering, some of them, what comes next? Job, grad school, a gap year, service abroad. Lord, give patience. Remind them that you have held them in the palm of your hand right up to this moment, and you're not going to drop them now. So help them to lean into that trust. And as they build Christian community, help them to do this with and for each other. Creating God, we pray that you make this a space of beauty and truth. And God, we thank you that in Jesus Christ we are able to pray. That when we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, there are amazing things that happen. And so we thank you for leading Wendy to lead us to say, let's come together, let's pray for this place, let's pray for Calvin College. Let's imagine what God can do. And so, Jesus, we pray in your name. And today we pray for Rebecca DeYoung. We hold her before you, our beloved professor, a member of our community, a woman of faith. Lord, bring healing. Use the chemotherapy to completely eliminate the cancer from her body. And that it goes smoother and better and faster than her doctors can even imagine. And Lord, we do pray that the hope that was given by a doctor who said, you know what, you might not just beat the cancer, but this muscle disease may be done too. Wow, Lord, please, please restore her to full health so she can be in the classroom, so that she can be an involved mom in the lives of her children, so that she and Scott can grow old together. Lord, we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, because you are the one who heals. You are the one who takes dead things and brings them back to life. This is your business. So we bring this to you. And Holy Spirit, we pray that as we listen to the word now, 
that you will move within and among us, that you will convict us of the things that we need to be convicted about. You will comfort us where we need to be comforted. You will stretch us and encourage us and form us evermore into the image of Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray and all God's people say, amen. So we are indeed finishing James. How crazy is that? Ten weeks we've been together. I feel like I know you so well. James 5, page 983 in the Pew Bibles. It'll be helpful to have this out while we read. We'll be reading verses 13 through 20, so the end of James. Here's what he says to us. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being like us, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth yielded its harvest. My brothers and sisters, if any among you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. What is James talking about? I mean, what is he saying here? We read this passage and we use it to inspire us to pray, because that's what he says. If you're in trouble, you got to pray. And we use it as a reminder of the power of prayer. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. But the truth is, if we look carefully at this text, there are some things that should make us go, I'm sorry, what? So let's just go through it again. Are any of you uh, suffering? They should pray. Fine, good, that makes sense. Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Yes, great. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Great. Old Testament practice. Bring it through. Love it. Good. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. I'm sorry, what now? What, what is he saying? Like, is he giving us some magic formula? Like, this is how you're supposed to do it, and then the Lord will do these things. Huh, that's, that's disturbing. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Is he saying here that if you're not healed, if you're sick, it's in some way due to your own sin? Is he saying that if you are sick and if you just go through like a litany of all the stupid things you've done, all the mistakes you've made, all the things that you've coveted, the envy and the dishonoring your father and mother and taking the Lord's name in vain, and you go through the whole Ten Commandments and the seven deadly sins and you clean them all out, you're going to get healthy. 
Elijah was a human being like us. He prayed, it didn't rain, then they prayed, and then it rained. Is he saying, James saying, is he saying here that if we pray the right way, we can control the weather because woo-hoo. <laughs> Everybody in the Midwest, give an amen, woo, yes. <laughs> My brothers and sisters, if any of you wanders from the truth and is brought back by another, you should know that whoever brings back a sinner from wandering will save the sinner's soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Is he saying that if one of us goes out and brings somebody back, like, we've saved them? <laughs> like, you know, put a little niche in your Bible. Saved one, saved another. How many niches you got in your Bible? Got 27. Like, what is he talking about here? Because there are people who have actually read James literally. The author, David James Duncan, was here on campus for the Festival of Faith and Writing. And he told this story. When he was a boy, his little brother got sick. And the Duncans were part of a community of people who believed in the power of prayer. And so they prayed. He prayed, and his mom prayed, and his dad prayed, and his little brother prayed, and his little brother died. And someone said to David, now remember, he's a boy. Someone said to David James Duncan, if you had had more faith, your brother would not have died. And David, whose writing often includes different themes of religion, said to us, that's why I'm not a believer. When we take things like this literally, and we think that there's some magic formula that we can just do, and if we do it in this way, and if we have enough faith, and if we anoint with the right kind of oil, and we have the right kind of elders, and we do it in exactly the right way, then ta-da, God's going to do exactly what we want him to do. That's not prayer, that's magic. Magic says I can manipulate this power any way I want. If I just learn the spell and the right flick of the wrist, if I just learn the right ingredients for the potion, I can get this right and I can control the power. Prayer says I come before the power and I get on my knees before the power and I ask God, Almighty, but I do not manipulate, and I do not expect a guaranteed outcome for my prayers. That's the difference between magic and prayer. So James is not writing here at the end of his letter and saying to the people, hey, you know all that stuff I've told you about being suffering while I'm being patient and suffering and consider it all joy when trials come your way and, you know, watch your language and be nice to people and take care of the poor. None of that matters because now I've got a secret formula for you to manipulate God. Right? That's not what he's saying here in James 5. That's not what he's talking about. So what is he talking about? Well, remember that he's writing to Christians, Jewish Christians, who are trying to figure out how do we do this together? Because you got the rich people, do you remember this? You got the rich people, you got the poor people, you got the, what was the other group? Zealots, 
much. I'm so proud of you. Yes. And they're all trying to figure out how do we do this community together? How do we live in community together? So James here in chapter 5 isn't primarily thinking about the vertical relationship, the relationship that we have, each of us, with the sovereign God. James is thinking here primarily about how prayer shapes a community, how prayer moves people toward each other, how prayer ties people together. So, as an illustration, this is what we're going to do. Each section is going to get a ball of yarn. I'm going to hand it to one person, and you just take it in your hand and like wrap it around your hand, and then like toss it to somebody else in your section or in the bay behind you for this group, all right? And every time it just goes to you, you just, just like wrap it around your wrist and then chuck it to somebody else or pass it down the row or whatever you need to do, all right? So y'all going to get a ball of yarn, and y'all, you get a ball of yarn, and you get a ball of yarn, <laughs> all right? And... Just weave it together. And it's okay if not everybody gets in, all right? Uh, if we run out of yarn, that's okay, all right? So, um, Billy, you go, you go first here. Strap it around your wrist, and then you can just do whatever you need to do. Okay? Bill? There you go. That's for you. All right. Here you go. Twenty. All right. Wrap it around now. Wrap it around yourself. So you, okay. Good. Good. Did you notice the color of the balls of yarn? Okay. I was very excited to find that. Joanne Fabrics, in case you're wondering. Keep it going. <laughs> Did it make it back to you guys yet? Anybody back there? Did you get it? There we go. Wrap it around. Make sure you wrap it. You can't just hold. You got to like wrap it. How are we doing here? Is it getting smaller? Do you have some left? Anybody not get it over here? Do you guys want to get some yarn? <laughs> nice. Nice. That is not something that I foresaw. How are we doing? Is it going? Just start passing it down rows now. Just start passing it down rows. Let's try and get, get it to the end. In the back, Anna needs some. I think that's Anna. You're like silhouetted back there. Okay. Just wrap it around your hand. Just wrap it around her wrist and then there you go. That's good. He can pick it up and pass it back. That's good. Pass it down rows now. How are we doing? Who's got, it? Who's got the end? 
Who's at the end of their ball? You're still going? You're working on it? Okay. Did you guys get it in the back row? Some of you did? All right. Has everybody had a ball of yarn near them? Yes, at some point. All right, just keep going. All right, now I'm going to ask you to do two things at once. I know, two things at once. Pass the ball and listen to me at the same time. I know, but you're Calvin College students, so you can do this. All right, so now I'm going to ask everybody who is left-handed, just raise your hand. Raise the hand that has the yarn on it. Just lift your hand up that has the yarn on it. See all our left-handed people? All right, everybody who's brown-eyed, raise, raise your arm if you've got the... Good? All the girls who have yarn on their hands. They're not better or worse. Guys? Guys? <laughs> it's like at the Ingrid Michaelson concert, right? Any five-year-olds? <laughs> What happens when one person raises their arm? It affects the whole group, right? All right, so James. James is talking about prayer as a way that God weaves his people together, a way that we are all connected to each other. And it happens like this. When he says, um, if you're suffering, pray. And if you're cheerful, praise. And if you're sick, have the elders come and pray over you. Now, the temptation when we are sick or when we are suffering is usually to say, no, I'm good. I'm really, I'm fine. Please don't mind me. I'm good. Please, I'm okay. Right? Because we don't want to burden anybody. Right? And then conversely, when we're in a good spirit and we're here and cheerful and we're like, hey, I'm having a good day. I got an A minus on my big org chem chest and woo, rock star. Right? We're like in a moment of like joy and we sit down at the table with somebody and we're like, hey, what's up? And they're like, oh my gosh, I just got my midterm back. And, I said, and you're like, oh. <laughs> so we kind of, we diminish how we're doing so that no one in the community is going to be burdened by how we feel. And James is like, no, 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 no. No. You are woven together. If you are suffering, pray with other people. If you are cheerful, sing with other people. If someone is rejoicing, rejoice with them. If they're weeping, you weep with them. Like, move toward each other with your feelings. And then he throws down this. Hey, you know, when you're sick, here's an idea. How about you have the elders of the church come over, and they're going to pray over you, and they're going to anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. How about that? Now, I want you all to remember the last time you were sick. You're in your room. You're in your jammies. You got the big bags under your eyes. Your hair's all sticky-uppy. You have not brushed your teeth in a day or two or three. Now, imagine that one of the, two of the people to whom you are currently connected, all right, they're your elders. In this moment, when you're in your jammies with bad breath and your hair sticky-uppy, these two people come into your room and they say, we are here to pray for you and anoint you with oil. How does that feel? 
a little intimate, maybe? A little like, no, I'm good, really, I'm good, right? Now imagine if you're a really poor person and the elder in your church is a really rich person and the rich person says, I'm going to come over to your house and I'm going to pray for you. Awkward, right? Blowing up a thousand social conventions. Like, that's not how it's supposed to work. Or imagine that you're a zealot and the rich person whose cousin you hate and are trying to get knocked out like, comes and says, I'm your elder. I'm supposed to pray with you. It's like, oh, awkward, right? Prayer is a move toward transparency when you pray with each other. It's a move toward vulnerability. It's actually saying, I am sick and I need help. I need someone to pray for me. I need help. And so when he says, the prayers of the righteous will have their effect and the Lord will raise up the person, the healing of the person is it's like a bonus gift for the depth of community that happens when we are that vulnerable with each other. It's the same thing when he says, hey, and you should confess your sins to each other too. That would be a really good idea because, you know, well, then you confess your sins and then healing happens that way. So now imagine that the person two yarn things down from you Okay, try and figure out where that person is. Two, two yarn connections down from you. That person knows your sin. That person knows your sin. They know that you envy that girl down the hall because she seems to have her life all together and you still can't pronounce heminga. Heminga, heiming, him. Very difficult. The person two down from you knows that you cheated on that French quiz. The person two down from you knows that you have a deep crush on somebody who's engaged to somebody else. But Instead of looking into that person's eyes and receiving judgment or shame or disbelief or disgust, the job of this person, two people down, is to bring you to Jesus. That's their job. Bring you to Jesus. How do you feel now? If you know that when you confess your sin out loud to another person, not only will that individual receive it, but they will go with you to the cross and they will with you help you leave the sin there and walk away. That's what James is talking about. And the healing that comes could be physical healing. 
There are times when we trap up our sin inside us to the point where it makes us nauseated. Well, we have stomach issues where we can't sleep at night because we are so consumed by this secret that has held us. Secrets about our sin kill us. And the role of the enemy is to keep that secret secret. He's trying to get you to not tell anybody about your sin ever. Because he knows that as soon as you say out loud, I'm envying the life of another, the power of envy over you goes way down. As soon as you say to another, I cheated on my French quiz, the power of that sin over your life, gone. As soon as you name it, the power of Satan diminishes. And that's where the healing comes from. That's what he's talking about. He's like, hey, confess your sins. Get it all out. Because not only does that diminish the power of Satan, but it increases the strength of the body of Christ. Because when we confess our sins to each other, we move toward Jesus. And that's where we get healing. That's the deal. That's why James can say, just, oh, by the way, hey, hey, before I forget, confess your sins to each other because it's awesome. And everything in us says, I don't think that sounds very awesome. That sounds quite miserable. But that's the lie of the enemy. Who says, well, you'd be very embarrassed to know that people thought that about you or knew that about you, so don't tell anyone ever. And Jesus Christ says, oh, my friends, the truth, whew, the truth will set you free. Let's get some confession on up in here. Don't you want to be set free? So James is saying, here's how God uses communal prayer among us. It weaves us together with each other. It helps us to move from sickness to healing, whether that's physical, spiritual, emotional. It moves us toward healing in the name of Jesus Christ. And he says, because we are connected with each other, it helps us while we wait. How much of James has been about, hey, be patient in the trials, and when the trials come, hang in there, and you know, the farmers got the early lane, their late rain, and hang in there, it's all going to become all right in the end, right? It's really interesting that of all the people he could have named as examples of prayers in the Old Testament, he uses Elijah twice. I mean, he could have prayed, I mean, Hannah praying for Samuel, that's a pretty good illustration. You got Abraham and Isaac, you know, you got Jacob praying for stuff. You got people praying all over, all over the place. And even Elijah has some, I think, zazzier prayers than the two that James mentions here. I mean, he prays once and a kid comes back to life. That's a pretty significant prayer. He picks these two, and I'm going to guess, along with scholars who have studied this a lot more than I have, that's because these are two in which Elijah has to wait. So the first time he prays, think about this, he prays that the rain doesn't come. How long do you have to wait to figure out if that answer has been, been coming? I don't know. It's been a week and rain. Is that an answer? Like a month? You know, I don't really know. How long do you know until he's like, it's done? It's like, when it rains, I guess. Three years, six months, he waits. 
And then, when he prays again for it to rain, this is when it happens. Do you know the story of Mark Carmel? Elijah has a showdown with the prophets of Baal. It's after that. He goes up. And he falls down flat on his face, Scripture tells us, flat on his face before, the God, before God. And he prays for it to rain. He prays for it to rain. He prays for it to rain. And he says to his servant, hey, would you um, go take a look at just like, I don't know, if you, if there's like a cloud or something. That'd be awesome. And the servant goes, I was like, yeah, there's no. no. <laughs> Seven times. Seven times, Elijah. Okay, please. Come on. Come on. Please, seven times. And then the seventh time, the servant's like, well, I don't really know if this is anything at all, but there's like a cloud that's really small. It's like the size of a man's hand. Billy, hold up your hand. It's like that big. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Is that like good? Is that an answer? And Elijah's like, I'll take it. I'll take it. We're going to go. So both of these prayers that James refers to are from times when Elijah had to wait. It's not about controlling the weather. It's about waiting. And so communal prayer weaves us together so that in times when we wait, we got people. Now, what if you knew that everybody connected to you from four people out, all right? So count like four people out from you. You got got your people? What if you knew that every one of them was praying for the thing that you're waiting for. Every one of them, every day, had your name in their heads, on their bathroom mirrors, in the visor in their car, popping up on their cell phone as a reminder, I'm going to pray for you and the thing you're waiting for. Wouldn't that be awesome? I have two friends who realized that their big things that they were waiting for was creating a lot of anxiety in each of them. And they knew that Jesus said, don't worry, but they were just freaking right on out about these things. One of them, it was because she had this child reared in faith and had walked away. And it created such anxiety for her. And the other one had three members of the family who had kind of been introduced to the faith, but not really. And one of them was connecting up with atheist friends and the other one was dating somebody that wasn't good and there was just big worry about these three people who had never known Jesus and had never loved the church. And they realized that their prayers for these people had become holy worry. You know, holy worry, holy is like, oh my goodness, I didn't pray for them today. For sure, they're never going to come back to faith. Right? If I just pray more, I just have a little more faith. For surely, I can control this outcome with my prayers. And they knew that they were on the slippery slope to crazy town. And so they swapped. One of them said, I will pray for your child who has wandered from the faith. And the other one said, I will pray for your three family members for them to come to Jesus. And their anxiety went, because someone else was carrying their thing. And they didn't have to carry their thing. And they could pray in the Holy Spirit for this other person and it was easier for them because they didn't have so much emotional skin in the game, you know, that that's what gets us on the bus to crazy town usually. And they were able to just be fully present in the prayers for these other people. Now, what would it look like if someone that you're sitting near tonight said to you, 
What are you waiting for? And how can I pray for that? And you left the space tonight knowing that you didn't have to carry your thing anymore, that there was somebody else, maybe four other people who were going to carry the thing. That's what James is talking about. He's like, when we pray, God uses it to weave us together, and that supports us while we wait. And then it also has the power to woo us back. Communal prayer and the connection that we have, one from another, can woo us back. Daniel, you got um, yarn on your waist? You got yarn, yeah, stand up. Now move toward me. Look at all the people who are impacted and currently uncomfortable. <laughs> right? Just not just cutting off circulation. It's not really that bad. Okay, good to know. So, so if, if Daniel gets up and he leaves the community, does the community notice? Yes. Is this community stronger when Daniel is with the community? Yes. Yes. Right? So what do, what do you really want Daniel to do right now? Sit back down. Come back to the herd. Yes, you may sit down. James is saying, when we are woven together like this, when someone makes a move, we notice. Right? When someone makes a move, we notice. Just raise your hand. Just raise it. Just stand right up. Right? Look at the, all, all the effects that that has. Wow, this is a really cool pattern you got going on here. <laughs> Do you see? Thank you. You may sit down. So James says, here's what happens. When you go out and you woo someone back and you say, Daniels, please sit down. When you say, we've missed you in the community. We have felt your absence. Come back to us. He says, you get to celebrate salvation all over again. So it's not like you're the bearer of salvation, like I have saved you. It's more this experience of like, I've missed you and I'm so excited to tell you once again about who Jesus is. I'm so excited to tell you once again about what the church is like when we're all connected to each other and we're leaning against each other and we notice when someone is pulling away and we want them to come back. God's working through the communal prayer of the church to weave us together, to hold on to us while we wait, and to woo us back when we wander. That's the power of the church. And that's the power of prayer. When he says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective, he's talking about the connection that it makes, not only with the divine, but through the divine in the lives of believers. That we get connected to each other in ways that make a difference. Each of you is going to get to cut a little piece of yarn to take home, even if you're not currently touching yarn, all right? So um, I want you, I'm going to hand out the scissors, all right? This is, again, like, let's do two things at once. Um, I'm going to hand the scissors to each section, and you just cut off a piece, and make sure that everybody in your section and in the bays and the sound booth, shout out, sound booth, um, 
that everybody gets a piece, okay? Not? Good? All right? So let's be sure that everybody, everybody gets a piece. Welcome. And when you're done with the scissors, you can just bring them forward and put them in the blue bag, okay? So everybody gets a piece, and you can tie this on your backpack. Don't make them little like they're going to fray and you're going to lose them in the laundry, okay? There should be enough yarn that you can have a piece that you can tie around your backpack, tie around your watch, um, tie to the loop of your pants, you know, I don't know what. You're creative, you'll figure it out. But it's a reminder that what James is inviting us to do is to be vulnerable with each other, to confess our sins, to pray for each other, and that in all that we do, we are bringing people to the cross of Christ. Prayer is an invitation to deeper relationship with the triune God and with each other. So when you get your little piece of maroon or gold or maroon and gold yarn, remember that you're part of a larger community of people who really do care for you. And I know some of you are tempted to be these people who sit on the margins and never tell anybody what's really going on. It's time for that to stop. It's time for that to stop. Because the enemy likes to pick off people who have left the herd. Confess sin if you've got to confess sin. If you're suffering, tell someone you're suffering. If you're sick, tell someone you're sick. And we're going to have time tonight for us to pray. The bays there and there have been cleared out of chairs and they are stocked with art supplies. If you want to draw a prayer, write a prayer, uh, if you just need some time and some space to sit, you can go to the bays. There are going to be prayer servants. Um, here is where Emily College, one of the elders of our college, is going to be. Emily is going to be here. And uh, Nicole France Coe, uh, one of our other elders of our college, is going to be over here. And then I'm going to be in the back. Each of us will have a vial of oil. I will show you. Like this. And when James is talking about anointing with oil, um, He's not necessarily talking like a giant horn of oil, like pour it over your head, like drips off the beard, like, you know, <laughs> like the psalm says. Um, what we're going to do is similar to what we have done on Ash Wednesday, where we're going to take oil and we're going to make the sign of the cross on your head. So if you want to be prayed for and be anointed with oil, we invite you to go to one of those three prayer stations, okay? Just, just tell us what you want and uh, we will listen to the Lord on your behalf. There are also um, carpet squares here if you want to come and just pray at the foot of the cross and thank Jesus for what he has done. And you are welcome to stay right where you are. And there will be scripture on the screen and we will be singing. And uh, if you want to get together with some of your, your people that you've been connected to and say, how can I pray for you or what are you praying for or what's going on in your life that I can help with, we'll do some of that. All right, I think I've named all the prayer stations, okay? Um, does everyone um, 
have their piece of yarn? Are we, are we making their way through the community? All right. So just be sure that before you move to go to a prayer station, you, you've been symbolically but not, I mean, you've been literally but not symbolically unhooked from your community, okay? So just be sure before you move, you're not like cutting off someone's circulation or making them trip or something. All right? Okay, let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of prayer. What an amazing thing that this way that we have to talk to you is a way you use to strengthen us and to weave us together. We are amazed. We're amazed that when we confess sin to another that we actually love you more. That when we say we're suffering, we actually love you more. So Lord, help us now. And if we're suffering, may we pray. And if we are happy, may we feel free to sing songs of praise. If we have to confess, if we have to worship, we just need to kneel like Elijah. Lead us, Holy Spirit. And remind us, too, that even when we do not have words, you do. And you groan deeply for us. We thank you, Jesus Christ, that one of your roles is intercessor, mediator for us. We are amazed. So work in a mighty way, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, through the prayers of these, your saints. For you have taught us that the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And for that, we give you praise and thanks. In the name of Jesus and all God's people say, amen.